And now, a word from our sponsors. Summertime is here, and the best way to beat the heat is with these great deals at MythMark.com. Join the adventure with sisters Emma and Olivia as they journey through the land of imagination in search of Yoon, the magical unicorn, in David K. Montoya's The Missing Unicorn and the Land of the Zombie Fairies. Or travel with poet Christopher Bice as he shares his thoughts on love, death, inspiration, and madness in Escaping the Darkness, Running from My Dreams. If fantasy romance is more your speed, join Celeste and Merrick as they figure out how to defeat the evil Ren doll while they figure out the plans of the elders in Stephanie J. Vardy's The Chosen. Like comic books? We got them too! Hot Off the Press is American Smash by Alan Russo and David K. Montoya for $4.99. Or enjoy our older releases like The Hunter's Exodus for only $2.99. Also, just in time for the summer are these other hot deals like Zoe M. Montoya's Uni Whale t-shirt, blue for boys and pink for girls, only $33.99. Or Lupus Bits the Podcast shirt for $27.99. For all our art lovers, we have something for you too with our prints and lithographs. Check out the Ed Bickford collection for $15 each or enjoy the art of Vincent May for $15. We have everything you'll need to stay inside and beat the summertime heat at MythMart.com. For more information, go to www.MythMart.com. Call us at 870-557-2612 or email sales at MythMart.com. Yeah, I remember Quinn and his family. It was uh, 2220. You know, life was a depressing dead in existence thanks to the aftermath of global warming. The only thing they had to look forward to was a mandatory 40-year lifespan, at which point they'd be unceremoniously put to death and turned into compost. But only if they lived that long. You know, then one day, Quinn made a fateful decision, and, you know, there were disastrous consequences. Consequences that forced Quinn and his wife and their son and their friend, to flee the confines of the city in search of a different life. They were searching for something better. Their hopes lie in the distant snow-capped mountains, but to get there they had to cross that dreaded no-man's land, all while being chased by the World Order Security Police who had orders to shoot to kill, their food and water was running short. Could they make it to reach their new lives? Read their inspiring story to find out in Jim Bates' Something Better, now available in paperback and ebook. For more information, go to www.mythmart.com. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Mythbits. You made an excellent choice. Welcome to the World of Mythbits. We are your hosts, Jenna and Joe Sparks, and this is episode 142. Welcome. Welcome to the world of Mythbits. Uh, before we jump into any deep and intense conversation, let's go ahead and go over the housekeeping we have for this week. We are currently going to be expanding the advertising range. Moving forward, all advertisements will be distributed with our daily shows through channels like 
Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, and any outlet that carries our shows. That being said, we are interested in booking September and October's independent advertisements. If you have a book published and you want to advertise with us, contact Stephanie J. Barty at secretary jzmdm at gmail.com. And that's it. That's it for housekeeping. Tomorrow, there is going to be the board directors meeting, so that should lead to some a ton of housekeeping <laughs> for next week's episode. So until then, it's been kind of nicely, I think, nicely slow, I think. Absolutely. Uh, I've marked on the calendar. So on I, the calendar. It'll be a little late walking through the door, kind of sneaking in like it did last <laughs> time. Oh, oh, oh. Whoops. Fashionably late. You know. <laughs> to, to be fair. Musicians, to be fair. you know what I mean? Clocks got confused. Before, so, okay, this episode... We kind of had an idea. Well, I, I had an idea, and then I made Joe go along with the idea. Uh, I thought it would be fun to do a bookshelf tour. I have so many books. Joe has so many books, and uh, I just thought it would be kind of fun. Like you know, you can you can judge us as hard as you want. Um, I think you can refrain that as I don't really have that many books. I just read a lot because I want to. I got to preface that with your collection of books versus my not collection. You yeah. also read via e-reader. Yeah, I a lot. E-reader. So. Yeah, I do e-reading and audiobooks for the yeah. majority. Like it still counts. Ninety percent at your local public library. Yeah. I'm gonna insert that voice right there. Local public library. Yeah, nice and automated. Yeah. Now it still counts, but before we jump into that whole joyous occasion, there were two bits of news that I saw this week, and I really want to, I just, I want to, like, scream them from the rooftops. They're so cool, and it has no bearing whatsoever on anything we're about to talk about, so disregard that. I just thought these were interesting things to just kind of pack away in everybody's brain holes. So the first bit of news, long lost fragment of Stonehenge reveals rock grains dating to two billion years ago. So basically, I'm just going to read this direct, this article directly. So, and it's from Live Science. In 1958, Robert Phillips, a representative of the drilling company helping to restore Stonehenge, took a cylindrical core after it was drilled from some of Stonehenge's pillars, Stone 58. Later, when he emigrated to the United States, Phillips took the core with him. Because of Stonehenge's protected status, it's no longer possible to extract samples from the stones. But with the core's return in 2018, researchers had the opportunity to perform unprecedented geochemical analyses of a Stonehenge pillar, which they described in a new study. They found that Stonehenge's towering standing stones, or sarsens, were made of rock containing sediments that formed when dinosaurs walked the earth. Other grains in the rock date as far back as 1.6 billion years. So they, they CT scanned it and they ran all of these tests. And I just think that's so interesting. So what you're saying is that Stonehenge was now, because they have no idea, they have still have no idea how it was constructed, yeah. right? So here's the deal. I'm pretty sure... If King Kong was like an actual species of the ape family, 
or if there was some type of, you know, primate that was of the same size as a uh, T-Rex or whatnot. I'm not 100% sure if that's actually true or not, if there was a primate that large, but had there have been, that's your guy who built that thing, right? Well, yeah, I mean, you never know. Look at uh, the the ancient rhinoceros that was found. That bad boy is as tall as a giraffe. Yeah, because at that point in history, weren't like Neanderthals were in existence. So depends. There's... It kind of depends. Like, I think that kind of came toward the tail end of... Because remember, dinosaurs, they were around for, for essentially millions of years. Yeah. I get a little like tripped out when I start thinking about like the dinosaur timeline, you know, because you have the prehistoric and, and all that. And it, So the giant ape had it's, constructed. It, yeah. He was pretty much playing dominoes one day and it still stood. And he comes around, he creates the little... So it's like a circular stone. Well, actually, I believe it's a horseshoe. And he comes over and he starts stacking it. And he looks at it and he, he just, he, he reveals it to, <laughs> to giant mama ape. And she's, to his friends. And mama ape comes over, slaps him all back on the back of the head and says, come on, we gotta go get some dinner. Right? <laughs> and it's still in his existence now for us to kind of sit there and be like, I wonder how that happened. You yeah. Know? And of course, give credit to humans, right? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you get, like I said, the article came from livescience.com. I'm sure you can look it up and find other resources too. Another bit of news, and I think more people have probably heard this one because it's just, I don't know, it's really cute. And if you're like me and you like cute things, so uh, again, this one this one is, is from CNN, but you can find the article everywhere. So, in Siberia, there have been two cave lions in recent years that have been uncovered from the Ice Age. So, one of them is a male cave lion cub who, I think both both of the cubs are estimated to be just a couple days or weeks old. They're, they're babies. The male is, is approximately 40-something thousand years old. Well, there's a female cub who was also uncovered around the same time, who is 28,000 years old. So obviously they are, you know, far and wide across like some, you know, 15, 20,000 years. But here's the fascinating part. The female cub is so perfectly preserved that she still looks almost like a perfect like cub like cub she's so it's she looks so i mean obviously you can tell she's she's an old thing but <laughs> she's so perfect and she had some skull fractures i believe and some stuff like that i i you know of course hope she had a quick painless death but it's so fascinating to me she's so perfectly preserved everything about her her teeth her claws everything and that to me is just so cool she has some mud caked into her fur and all that but she's just a little baby and uh oh, wow and that she found them in siberia hmm. take the dna and recreate those for the new dress maybe <laughs> maybe well because i mean it just it kind of always blows my mind you know when we i guess stumble upon you know these ancient remains you know, because it is. It, it does kind of trip you up when you see the physical evidence of the world existing hundreds of thousands, 
nay, millions years ago, you know? So it just, I don't know, I get really excited with stuff like that. I, I keep going on about the giant rhinoceros and how giant it was. Right, because all this technology and everything that you speak of is so new and fresh and I know. recent, right? Well, because, and we're, I mean, we're talking technology, technology alone in the last 50 years. And granted, would we have this technology today without the technology that they had in the 15 or 1600s, you know what I mean? And when I say technology, everything was technologically advanced or gra- gradually advancing, you know, throughout the ages. So it's it's weird where we can kind of lay and distribute the information that has been gathered over the past, you know, millennia <laughs> and where we are now. So I don't know. I think it, I think it's really interesting. And to find an animal from almost 30,000 years ago that is almost perfectly preserved that's that's astounding oh yeah you know kind of like the bog man you know seeing uh the bog man the bog man he's like uh what almost 3,000 years old he was just about perfectly preserved yeah and even recently they, they came across the mummy who they had uh previously thought to be a male priest and then they ran some visual tests and actually determined it was a pregnant woman. And, I mean, in and of itself, like, the fact that they were able to, you know, see that, oh, this isn't, like, a dude priest. <laughs> this is actually a woman. But it was a pregnant woman who had been mummified. Like, that just blows my mind. Because not to get too graphic or triggering or anything like that, but, of course, the the morbid mind of mine has to wonder. It's like, what... What is the mummification process of a pregnant woman? That's interesting. Do they... Never mind. I don't want to get into it and and upset the masses. Uh, (laughs) But it just is kind of interesting, I think. I'm going to assume it's the exact same process. Because they haven't opened her up. So I guess pretty much just like a break inside there. Anyway, that kind of stuff. Like, I, I, you know, everything that is horrible and wrong with the world, that is one thing that I genuinely think is so amazing with where we're at today is, you know, seeing this history. And granted, I am also, like, torn because I'm also of the belief, like, don't disturb stuff. Let it rest. Especially mummies. Like, mummies should never have been disturbed in the first place. <laughs> you know? Ask Brendan Fraser. <laughs> so let's talk books. Because I don't want to make this episode two hours long. I have, like I said, I have a ton of books. And they have been with me for a very long time. I also am a hoarder in the sense that, like, when it comes to my books, it's, I know when I need to get rid of a book, but I don't always. <laughs> So I do have a lot of books that I don't know why I still have them. There are books also that I just like the minute, like either I had admittedly Fifty Shades of Grey. Somebody had gifted them to me (laughs) and I read the first one and I was like, nope, (laughs) nope. And those went in a box (laughs) somewhere. There there are some books that like admittedly I, I, I had and I'm just like, I don't want anybody to know I ever had these, but now you do. So uh, yeah, I, I kind of just want to go through some of these books and I might pass through some of them that like I just have, but don't really want. So let's start. I have, I have so many books, guys. Let's start top row. And, and I took pictures of all my bookshelves. Uh, there is a sense of organization. Let's see if you can figure out what it is. The first book is A Girl's Guide 
to taking over the world. <laughs> and that's that's the only book I own. Now, that was a really cool uh, compilation of like the Riot Girl feminist magazines of the 90s. And it's my baby. It's really cool. It's really interesting. There's some interesting stuff. And also trying to maintain that Riot Girl is for everyone and not turfs. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. Next up, we have Beautiful You by Chuck Palahniuk. Damned by Chuck Palahniuk. Doomed by Chuck Palahniuk. Diary by Chuck Palahniuk. I have, oh my gosh, I have so many Chuck Palahniuk books. Uh, I've got Fugitives and Refugees, Fight Club, Stranger Than Fiction. That one, the title is concealed and I can't remember what it is. Should have just reserved first shelf, Palinuk, and then just labeled it as such. I would, but I don't have all of Palinuk's physical books. I have a lot, like on my e-reader. Tell All by Chuck Palinuk. That one is fun. Haunted by Chuck Palinuk. <laughs> so as you can tell. Uh, and then like I said, like I have um, like Invisible Monsters. I have a couple of his other books on my e-reader that I do want to get the physical copies of just because I am that person. And then we move on to Poppy Z. Bright and have Liquor as well as I have Lost Souls, Drawing Blood, Twice Bitten, The Devil You Know, Are You Loathsome Tonight? But I also have two copies of Wormwood. I don't know where they went. I don't know. I have one that like is always with me and it's my baby. But I think my nephew stole it. I think he took it. He takes a lot of my books. So there's books in his room that I am genuinely like. Uh, so I know he has a couple of my Poppy Z. Bright, a.k.a. Billy Martin. Moving on <laughs> to Francesca Leah Block. So, of course, we have Ruby, Necklace of Kisses, Wasteland, I Was a Teenage Fairy, Ecstasia, Goat Girls, Beautiful Boys, The Rose and the Beast, Girl Goddess Number 9, and Wheatsy Bat is with my nephew because Wheatsy Bat is a book everybody needs to read, especially in their teen years. That is, uh, Francesca Lee Block is somebody who kind of like, Francesca Lee Block and Alice Hoffman were like the two writers who even like made me want to even think about writing as a whole and I remember making my English teacher we would exchange books like in eighth grade just gave her like oh my young adult like Alice Hoffman it was weird she read them so she was a cool teacher then I have uh Terry Pratchett Neil Gaiman Good Omens I surprisingly don't have as much Neil Gaiman as I would like then I have George R. R. Martin okay this one's weird <laughs> Feast for Crows, and A Storm of sword. Swords. I have the whole series, but I also have, I, I have currently one dog, but we had two dogs who liked to eat anything they could get their mouths on. So <laughs> all my other Game of Thrones books actually got eaten by my dogs. Then I have the Lord of the Rings series. Then I have two Lord of the Rings reference books about the whole world. Then I have Who Killed Harry Potter, which is a fun fan-made book about why Harry Potter should have died. <laughs> so then I have <laughs> An American Plague, uh, which is a book all about yellow fever. Then I have The Invention of Murder, which is all about uh, the Victorian invention of murder and Victorian death culture. Then I have <laughs> The History of Death, uh, dead, <laughs> again, see if you can tell a pattern. Um, dead Center, 
by uh, Shia Rabowski. Like I said, all of these are these are just pictures, so I can't even see like all the authors. And then I have one of my favorite books, Doctor Mutter's Marvels, which is such a phenomenal book. Everybody needs to read it. It's so interesting. Smoke Gets in Your Eyes by Caitlin Doughty. The Butchering Art by Lindsay Fitzgerald, which is about the invention of Victorian surgery. <laughs> Working Stiff. Uh, the Girl with the Crooked Nose. More dead stuff. Uh, body of Work. <laughs> More dead stuff. I should be giving um, author names, but I'm trying to get through this fast. That's now the dead shelf. That's my dead shelf. The Black Dahlia Avenger by Steve Hodell. Again, another book that is so worth reading. My story, The Artist, that was featured on last year's Halloween issue. It was very much inspired by his detective work. Then I have the only, like, I have, like, three, four, quote-unquote, kind of, like, self-help books, kind of-ish. So we have We... A Manifesto for Women Everywhere by Jillian Anderson and Jennifer Nadell. I actually never finished it, but I have taken a lot of inspiration from what I did read through it. Unfortunately, as much as I love Jillian Anderson, it's a little tricky to relate to rich, rich, beautiful women. Uh, <laughs> then I have Don't Laugh at Me for this one. Hashtag Girl Boss by Sophia Amoruso. Bro, I cannot believe <laughs> that they canceled that show. If you don't know what Girlboss is, if have, if you've ever shopped at the, the website Nasty Gal, which Nasty Gal started as a like reclaimed fashion website, and Sophia Amoruso would, you know, like thrift and stuff, and she would find like gems of clothing and she would do things to them you know she would modify them in some way I don't think she did that to every piece she found and then she would resell them she was really really cool and she was basically kind of like from the ground up and uh they actually made a Netflix show based off of her story canceled it after the first season which sucked because it was absolutely delightful and yeah it's a it's it was a really interesting book then I have this one. I actually haven't read this one yet. You you did get this one for me. Uh, Take Your Shirt Off and Cry by Nancy Byer. So I have no idea what that one's actually about. It's about... And taking your shirt off and crying. <laughs> no, it's a, I do that as it is. It is about the women in the film industry and what they have to go through. That's right. That's right. Okay. Then I also have Amanda Palmer, The Art of Asking. And Amanda Palmer is kind of, eh, you know, I love her, but I'm also a little skeptical of her... Uh, her feminism. All right. Then there is Great Goddess by Nikita Gill, who is an amazing poet and writes really, really beautiful pieces. And I was really excited to get that book when it first came out. I, I'm excited to have it. Then I don't know why this is here because I have a whole reference shelf. So Dictionary of Celtic Mythology. This one is also a good book to have. I think everybody who suffers with any kind of mental anguish of any sort. Matt Haig, Reasons to Stay Alive. That one is a good one to have with you. And these books are here because I had nowhere else to put them because they're gigantic. The Cuckoo's Calling, The Silkworm, Career of Evil, and Lethal White. We're not going to talk about those because J.K. Rowling is... Ugh. Then I have more reference books. I'm not going to go through all those. I've got like 101 textures and oil and acrylic and art books and then Fight Club 2, the graphic novel and all that. And then... Because I've got, like, tattoos, bands, Hollywood Babylon 
I've got that. The Hollywood Book of Dead. Hollywood Book of Death. Sorry. The Encyclopedia of Serial Killers. The Big Book of Celebrity Autopsies. That one is really interesting. My um, friend gave me that book. She gave me a lot of these books too. That one was really, really handy to have. <laughs> You'd be surprised how often I go to that book. Love Lucy by Lucille Ball. That one because I love Lucille Ball with all my heart and soul. And her daughter actually published it, and it's a really, really, really lovely biography. Then I have Dark Banquet, which is about nocturnal animals. Could I sound any more Hot Topic goth right now? Then I have more resources. I have a lot of grammar books, a lot of dictionaries, because I love dictionaries, and I collect, I try to collect them, I should say. Oh my gosh, vocabulary builders. Basic thesauruses, big thesauruses, an English to Spanish uh, dictionary for some reason. Um, That's useful. Yeah. The Writer's Adventure, which is fun. More writing books, master lists for writers, word and expression locators. One book that I found thrift shopping that cracks me up and I love it. A Dictionary of Euphemisms and Other Double Talk. <laughs> That one's just a lot of fun to have. Yeah, so I have I have so I have a lot of like random things. Okay. Now here's my fun bookshelf because these are books that I have hoarded essentially in the past couple months. So I've got a couple other like Harry Potter reference books because I'm a nerd, like the Harry Potter cookbook and stuff. A book of picture framing since I'm apprenticing to be a picture framer, more drawing books wildflowers. One book that I bought the minute it came out and I still haven't even read it yet. You guys are going to read me to filth for this is Speak of the Devil, which is about the Satanic Temple, which is um, not a religious organization before anybody tries to go crazy over that. Um, it's a political movement. So then I have Technologies of the Human Corpse, which is all about Technologies of the Human Corpse. Stiff by Mary Roach, which I read that initially like on my Kindle like 10 years ago. One of my favorite, favorite, favorite books. So I bought it used so I could have the physical copy because again, I am like that. Then we have uh, this one I found. I stumbled upon it and I was like, oh my gosh, I came from the 60s. And it's The American Way of Death. And it's all about the funeral industry in America. <laughs> A scene through somebody who basically all about how the funeral industry is is predatory um, and all that because it is. And uh, the fact that it is called an industry should kind of tip you off on how disgusting it is. So, yeah. So that one was uh, one I, I saw and I, I had to grab it. So then I also have a vindication of the rights of women with structure or strictures on political and moral subjects. And. This one was very interesting. Again, it was one that was very cheap and I was like, yoink, because it's written in the 18th century and it was kind of like the first Western like women's rights publications. So, of course, I was like, yes, let me, let me grab that. And then we got some Neil Gaiman, Neverwhere, Leif Grossman, The Magicians, and The Magician King, because... I keep trying to get my hands on the third book, but it's so pricey. Then we have Columbine by Dave Cullen, which is a bo another book I've really wanted to read for several years and haven't yet. Neil Gaiman, The Graveyard Book, and of course, <laughs> The Eleventh Tome by Timothy Law. And then we've got Shirley Jackson, 
The Haunting of Hill House, Radium Girls. Oh my gosh, I have, like, these are where all my books have gone. One second, please let me plug right here before I forget about it. Tom Morello has released a single called Radium Girls about the said event. We'll go please check out Tom Morello and the Bloody Beetroots. They made a music video about them. Yeah, it was really interesting because he's doing like this whole like uh, historical thing, right? Yeah. And then I've got It's a Dark Ride by David K. Montoya and Eternally Bound by Stephanie J. Barty. Then I have some DVDs, um, <laughs> The Autopsy Files and Postmortem and Harry Potter. <laughs> And uh, that's that's Jenna in a nutshell right there. All right. Then I have, let's see, here's kind of like my bookshelf where I'm kind of like, these are my like, I don't know where else to put books. So I've got uh, Wicked by Gregory Maguire, The Night Circus by Aaron Morganson, Christopher Moore, Dirty Job, which is a great book, The Valley of Horses. I don't think I actually ever read that one. I know my friend lent me that one. A Hangman's Daughter by... Oliver, oh my god, I'm not going to be able to say his last name. Uh, then I have the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo series. Uh, Sophie Hanna, because Sophie Hanna is an author I really like. Cradle in the Grave and The Dead Lie Down. Again, these are kind of like my like weird, I don't know, uh, some Sandra Brown, Tammy Hogue, Lisa Black. We've got ourselves uh, Scarlet Letter. Lord of the Flies, Great Expectations, Dorian Gray, C.S. Lewis, Alone in the Witch in the Wardrobe, Sense and Sensibility, The Virgin Suicides. It's kind of a funny story, which was um, a great book. And I think the worst part, I don't think I'll ever pick up that book again because the author, the, the story is obviously about mental health. And yeah. Then there's One Day by David Nichols, which was actually a very good book. Uh, then there's Bad Marie by Marcy Dermansky. I don't really remember that. I know I read it, but that one was... I don't really, really remember it. Stupid and Contagious by Caprice Crane. That was a fun novel. I made you read it, I know. Caprice Crane, if you don't know, she's actually the daughter of Tina Louise from Gilligan's Island. And she is hilarious. And the book was hilarious. And she had taken a part of my own character and put it in her book... <laughs> I had a fun pastime. I'm not quite sure why, but I would randomly email <laughs> advertising strategies to companies, and all of them said absolutely not. But I and that's said, what the book is about. That's pretty much what it's... the book is about. Where she's like, this guy is out of his rocker. Yeah, it's it's a fun book. I would actually like to reread it. Then there's the Lovely Bones by Alice, right? Alice Bebold. Seabold. Oh my god. Okay, let me say that again. Then there's The Lovely Bones by Alice Sebold. Moving on to my still confused shelf with my Anne Rice and Stephen King. So I've got Anne Rice. I've got a whole like resource reference book for the Vampire Chronicles. Interview with the Vampire. Violin. New Tales of the Vampires. Then I have The, the Claiming of Sleeping Beauty, which I really did not enjoy. Queen of the Damned, random Stephen King, random, because I have Full Dark, No Stars, Blaze, Salem's Lot, Under the Dome, Pariah by Bob Fingerman, Hater by David Moody, that one was good, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children by Ransom Riggs, the, the series, A Field Guide to Monsters, which is a handy book to have, 
The Knife Man, another book about Victorian surgery. The Science of Vampires. I hate, like I said, I have so many random reference books. New Erotica, too. And the only reason I bought that is because it features Poppy Z. Bright and Neil Gaiman. And it's kind of funny, too, because if you look at some of my books, you can tell the ones that my dogs have gotten to. And luckily, they're not puppies anymore, so no more of my books get eaten. Then I have my, like, whole row of random reference books, like car books and random books, a dream dictionary, the art of blacksmithing. Hey, that's a book for everybody. It is. Right? The, this one is actually really useful. Um, the Historical Supply Catalog. That one's very useful, especially if you're ever writing historical fact fiction. More vampire books, encyclopedias of like witchcraft and spells and stuff. I, I don't practice Wicca, but they are very handy, useful books to have, again, for reference, um, for writing. I have like, I have a werewolf book, vampire, vampire book, you know, Wiccan formula and herbal guide. I have a lot of books on Wicca for some reason. I think I tried to practice when I was like a teenager. I don't know. Okay. Then, so that's my bookshelves. Those are my bookshelves. And again, I skipped some because I'm embarrassed. <laughs> so then in my room, the books that I ran out of room in my bookshelf because they are wall to wall, I'll be gone in the dark. One Woman's Obsessive Search for the Golden State Killer. I have yet to read that one, but I am going to pick it up because I really, really want to read it. It was actually written by Patton Oswald's wife, Shell McNamara, who recently passed away. So I'm, I'm very excited to read that one. The Lottery, Just an Ordinary Day by Shirley Jackson, as well as We Have Always... What is it? We have... Then also The City We Became by N.K. Jemison. And then I, like, up above our bed, I have more books. <laughs> Those are more death books. What are they? But you got Grey's Anatomy. I've got Grey's Anatomy up there. And then Graveside Companion. Graveside Companion, which is a beautiful, beautiful book. It discusses death as portrayed in art over the years. And it's a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous book that Joe gifted me after begging and pleading for it yeah um and then the hour of our death which is kind of like the suggestion regarding we you know kind of question uh western culture and death practices hmm. well so, mine is a very uh, <laughs> very small compared to that <laughs> i actually only <laughs> mine are mostly just reference books a couple of them actually go together because i actually have like a big fat stack C++ programming book which pairs with the robot programming book because one day I'm going to finally program a robot with my Arduino chip and that I have <laughs> it is in the works but more so I have just a few more reference books uh, like mechanical engineering philosophy books one on ethics uh, I got some wise words on that one. I've got a few on music. I have a few music books. This is your brain on music, which is a dive into the psychological realm of the neuroscience behind the sounds and everything that comes from that, which is actually written by a former, well, I want to say former, but he was in a band, but he is also a musician who became a neuroscientist. Very interesting. The Music Lesson by Victor L. Wooten, very important. 
Now that I think back, though, now that I think back on his book, it has a lot of the lessons in... It almost feels like the uh, Peaks and Valleys, that book that was released in the 80s, Peaks and Valleys. In, in the music lesson, Victor tells the story of this odd old man who finds him and teaches him the ways of the bass because Victor Wooten is the is a very large well-known uh, bass player he's Grammy award-winning he tells the story of how this old timer came into his life and taught him all these life lessons and how music isn't just this practice and this other thing it, it's an entirely giant thing about the way of being is what it is all about and then I don't want to spoil the end on there in case you're uh, wanting to read it, stop now. And it turns out, like, at the end of the book, then Victor becomes the old man that teaches a new student when they come to find him to play the bass. <laughs> Cut back in. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, though, like, most of my reading was done through audiobooks and I know, and everything it kind of like sucks that. because it's like I'm, I'm going in my head and I'm like, God, there are so many books that like I read like on my Kindle and stuff, yeah. but I haven't used my Kindle in a year or two just because it kind of fried. It's still a first... I have managed to maintain a first-gen Kindle Fire for, that I have had for over 10 years, and it only just kind of started crapping out, but that's because I never used it for anything other than I want to get a, a Kindle Paperwhite so bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because like on my, I know like on my Kindle, I have, because I read Drive, again, like Chuck Palahniuk, the rest of his um, books are on there. Even Neil Gaiman, I know I read American Gods, a couple others. I have The Hunger Games somewhere. I'm reading this one right now. It's called The Second Chance Club, Hardship and Hope After Prison, written by Jason Hardy. He was a parole officer, and he's going through how hard it is for parolees to make it and everything that is kind of going into the financial and social and, you know, all that good stuff that happens after prison. It's a very interesting read on that one. And then up next after that is going to be Lance, or Last Chance Texaco, written by Ricky Lee Jones. I think that's what I really also focus on a lot is when I have the audiobooks is more of the biography, memoir, autobiography, you know, and anything that I need to absorb, I do so in the format of the written word. Yeah, see, that's funny is because I'm the opposite. It's like I, to read the actual words, I don't, I don't know, like I've tried audiobooks and it's, it's a little trickier for me. I think I, I have too much of the ADHD. No, you know, I, was like, I think that's, <laughs> that might be is because the way the human brain is set up and everything like that, because that's what I said, like, I absorb more through the written word instead, oh, I thought, of, oh. yeah, instead of the audiobook version. I'm pretty sure you probably could if you sat there and concentrated. I think that's what it is, because when you're reading, you're reading. But when you're listening to an audiobook and you're doing something else, you're multitasking at that point, right? So I'm multitasking technically. I'm not fully enveloped in the book. So I'm pretty sure it would yeah. work the same way if you had the audiobook version on. Nothing else. Ear train, right? Ear train. So it's an enclosed system. So mm -hmm. that way you're able to absorb it instead of multitasking the brain. 
I think that's what's going on. Yeah. Sounds legit. Somebody fact check. Thank you. So, yeah, we are aggressive readers. <laughs> and I have far too many books. I want to get new bookshelves because Absolutely. mine are <laughs> dying. What brought about the idea for this episode? I don't know. I think part of it was just kind of like staring at them, you know, because they are like at the forefront of my living room. So I'm always looking at them and just thinking about it. And um, I feel like you can kind of learn a lot about people through their bookshelves and and kind of like the company you keep you know those are to me that's the most intimate kind of company you keep are your books yeah there's a lot of books that i think everybody every reader i imagine pretty much everybody involved in the world of myth uh writers contributors everybody is very familiar with hoarding books and i'm not good at like i said i you know even books that like i read and i didn't really enjoy which i you know there were there were some, you know, it's hard to kind of relinquish them. You want to keep them on hand because, I don't know, you might change. You might change your mind at some point. You might go, oh, you know what, I want to I want to reread that because hmm. I am also a fierce rereader. I also forgot to mention two sets of the Harry Potter series, one of which is my junk set <laughs> that I've had for like 20 years, and it is torn up. Order of the Phoenix, actually the spine completely split in half. So the book is just taped with packing tape. And I've read it like four times after I had to patch it. And then I have the UK published set. So it's like the original format and everything and not modified for an American audience, which um, that one is kind of like my my pride and joy. I forgot one book also that is up there is the Spitfire Audio Volume 1. That one is also in a leather-bound protective case. That one's a collector's item. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I feel like there's no better gift than a book. I love my book collection. I love collecting books. The only thing keeping me from having more, you know what I mean, like, is the fact that I have completely run out of space. Like, completely. My shelves are packed. Packed. That's why are so many people like this. What <laughs> you guys? I'm a minimalist. All well, that, my shit yeah. Is right here. That's what cracks me up about, like, you and I and, like, our dynamic is... I am, I'm a very sentimental person, like very sentimental and like you're sentimental, but like not like in a, cause like I, I see like the physical sentiment, you know, like the things, the, the, you know, oh, this was an item from, uh, you know, our first trip together or whatever like that, like things like that. And you're, you're not, you're not like that really (laughs) we need to come together what's what's the compromise of a maximalist and um a minimalist except when it comes to instruments apparently audio audio equipment that's gonna be your your thing with the instruments and audio is my thing with the books like the only thing keeping you from having like all of them is space i have a feeling if you had like a room devoted (laughs) <laughs> you would have it filled. Just like Zane Carney's. You ever seen Zane Carney's room? Mm-mm. Of, um... Evan and Zane. Yeah, Evan and Zane. <laughs> For some reason, I drew the biggest brain fart. Yeah, no, that, that one... 
that would be you in a heartbeat. Okay, guys, we have rambled long enough. If you if you want to share with us, tell us what your favorite books are, you know, on your bookshelf that like you just refuse to get rid of or books that you got rid of that you re- regret getting rid of um, as a cautionary tale to future book quarters. <laughs> All right. Until we talk to you next time, you can find us on theworldofmyth.com, on Facebook and Twitter at the World of Myth Bits Podcast, and the World of Myth Magazine, and on Instagram at the World of Myth Bits. Don't forget tickets for Scarefare are on sale, and you can get them at PCE HD. Probably should have put that in the housekeeping. No, we got it. We got to surprise it. We got to put it randomly. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Until next time.